Hello all and welcome to episode 6 of the podcast. This is, and indeed I am, the Dream Filter. In this episode I'll be talking about the so-called New Age Movement and its connection to the globalist agenda. Just what is the New Age Movement? Far too broad for me to summarise succinctly, but okay, I'll try to boil it down for you. Some people largely try to pin it on one organisation or another, maybe a group or a person, such as the mystic American philosopher David Spangler and his involvement in the Findhorn Foundation, but it's simply too vast for us to narrow down like this. The New Age movement is not so new. It has a background rooted in the occult and esoteric philosophy and practice. Are you laughing because I said rooted? Does your mind loiter in the same domain as that occupied by toilet humour? But I surely jest. Please, don't be so uptight. The occult, as in the word itself, basically means secret teachings and practices. Esoteric generally means knowledge only available to a small amount of people, chiefly in a spiritual sense. These words are not necessarily sinister on the face of it. I personally know a handful of people who like to delve into this mysterious area, one way or another, at least one of which is wide awake to the vast globalist agenda. While it's not my cup of tea, these are decent people, so I won't be seeking to disparage the field. The modern New Age movement appears to have taken root across Western society in the 1970s. Somewhat all-embracing in nature, it could encompass anything from a UFO-obsessed fraternity to astrology, application of crystals, alternative medicine, Eastern mysticism, faith in spirit guides, metaphysics, Ouija boards, pagan religions such as Wicca, psychic activity, tarot cards, and so on, not to mention, so forth. The New Age movement has drawn heavily from the esoteric beliefs that arose in the latter part of the 18th century and spread into the next. As mentioned in episode 5, it was in 1776 when Adam Weishaupt of Bavaria formed a secret society which would become known as the Illuminati, or Enlightened Ones. Weishaupt had also been interested in Freemasonry and went on to join a Masonic Lodge in Munich in 1777. At first, the Illuminati had only a few members, but within a decade its membership was in the thousands and primarily made up of professionals including aristocrats, bankers such as Mayer Amschel Rothschild, doctors, judges, lawyers, police, politicians, soldiers and university professors. It is said quite accurately that the Illuminati was born as an offshoot of Freemasonry. Weishaupt was known to have taken exception with certain elements of Freemasonry, which itself had been spreading among the intellectual and professional class across Europe over the century prior, including what he viewed as an inherent lack of focus on its own esoteric background and ancient pagan traditions. Thus, he did not seek to challenge Freemasonry, but rather to change it by recruiting Freemasons into the Illuminati and getting Illuminati members to join the Freemasons. The main targets of the Illuminati were royal families, the Catholic Church, and rich landowners. The initial mission statement or objective of the Illuminati was as follows. By the mutual assistance of its members to attain the highest possible degree of morality and virtue, and to lay the foundation for the reformation of the world by the association of good men to oppose the progress of moral evil. Whether as honorable as it may have sounded, or ultimately not, 
The Illuminati was widely seen as subversive in nature, with grand intentions to totally overhaul the manner in which European nations were governed. Its broad modus operandi was based on infiltration and counter-infiltration. Through this means of expansion, the Illuminati acquired agents and assets across Germany and Europe, granting Weishaupt important covert influence within the church, politics, royalty, and so on. The fraternity itself, significantly shaped by Freemasonry, developed and established a sovereign philosophy and system of initiations, rites, rituals, use of symbols, acknowledgement of pagan deities, and many things that could be termed esoteric. Bavarian authorities clamped down on the Illuminati about a decade after its inception, to the point that it was banned and Weishaupt sent into virtual exile from Bavaria. But the hidden influence it had cultivated did not simply wither away. The movement embodied by the Illuminati is thought by some to have not only played a role in inciting the American Revolution that broke out at about the time of the Illuminati's inception, but also the French Revolution that began in 1789 with the potential to provoke similar unrest in Bavaria. Meanwhile, the secret society of Freemasonry remained largely unmolested in Bavaria and across Germany. Also, there were several groups who some saw, and still see, as having taken on the baton, so to speak, of the Illuminati following its ban. These included what was initially named the Society of Illuminists, formed in the 1780s in Avignon, France, before changing its name and moving to Montpellier. This group could have disbanded during the French Revolution, although some say it continued on, or that its members were absorbed into other secret societies. Another group seen as a possible successor to the Illuminati was the Russian-based Concordists, who formed around the time of the French Revolution, although they were said to have been outlawed and disbanded by the Russian government in the first half of the 19th century. This, people, is the world of secret societies. They rise, they fall, they merge, they disband, they overlap, they expand, they shrink, they absorb, they do whatever the opposite of absorb is, they change their name, they relocate, they go further underground than they already are, then they become just a tad more visible, if circumstances permit. But above all, they are clandestine. Do you think they have not endured all the way through to today? I'm not mocking, I'm asking a rhetorical question. Do you not believe that we can see them in their modern form through these globalist conferences and organizations, some of which were mentioned in the previous episode? Let me share a quote with you. In this new Aquarian age, when many individuals and groups are working in various ways for the eventual restoration of the mysteries, an increasing number of aspirants are beginning to realize that Freemasonry may well be the vehicle for this achievement. This was from 1927, spoken by W.L. Wimhorst, a Freemason. Did you know that most small towns across the West still have a Masonic Lodge? There is one in my own hometown of roughly 3,000 inhabitants, founded in the early 1900s. You cannot see inside, and they are quite clandestine about what they do, although there is the odd open day and the like. The father of my best friend from primary school, a bank manager at the time, was a member. He never told anyone, as far as I know, what went on inside. The uncle of my mother was a member of a Melbourne-based lodge prior to his passing and swore that he would never tell anyone, including his wife, what went on inside. 
In all sincerity, my interactions with these two told me that they were both honourable, pleasant men. I'm not casting any aspersions here. But it's interesting. Would you agree? That aside, lodgers these days are generally the commune of middle-aged slash elderly guys, and much like churches, to be honest, have dwindling attendances. But does that mean the original power behind Freemasonry has also dwindled? Or has it simply gone dormant, morphed, mutated, and or relocated along the lines of what I just summarized about the ostensible world of secret societies? Rhetorical questions, people. Remember, this is all about how you think, not what you think. The Freemasons, like the Illuminati, have been blamed for provoking the French Revolution, as well as the Russian Revolution, which broke out in 1917. While this would certainly make sense, I don't know enough about this to comment with authority. If you've got the time and inclination to really research it with an open mind, all power to you. If you've got a colossal amount of time, you could access a copy of A General History of Freemasonry in Europe, published in 1868 by the American Masonic Publishing Association by Emmanuel Rebold and J. Fletcher Brennan. I haven't read it myself and won't. It's 400-odd pages, but can be downloaded online for free. It may be interesting to hear things from their own perspective. Just remember that the inherent hierarchical structure within Freemasonry is partly to ensure that hidden information and knowledge is very much compartmentalized and on a needs-to-know basis, with the temptation of more on offer for those who progress through the ranks. The history of the Freemasons is obviously shrouded in secrecy, possibly even more so than the Illuminati that arose out of it, and it's difficult to decipher truths from myths. What is apparent is that they preceded the Illuminati and came about in their modern form around the start of what is now referred to as the Age of Enlightenment that arose around the start of the 18th century. The first lodge in Germany was founded in 1737, some 20 years after the founding of the Grand Lodge of London and Westminster. Grand Lodges began to spring up in Germany during the 1740s. During this time, lodges and indeed Grand Lodges began to be erected across Europe and North America. In 1733, the first American lodge was opened. The Freemasons pre-1700 are thought to have stemmed from the Knights Templar, a mysterious Catholic order that operated from roughly 1100 to 1300, creating a significant legacy in the realm of architecture and building across Europe. To cut a long story short, they were somewhat connected with and or succeeded by stonecutters or masons, who organized themselves into trade unions which evolved into lodges and ultimately the secret society that took hold in the early 1700s and was officially born in 1717 when four London-based lodges merged to become the aforementioned Grand Lodge of London and Westminster. In the meantime, it was not only masons but artists, aristocrats, so-called free thinkers, intellectuals, philosophers and so on who were now free to join. Modern Freemasonry is said to have been founded by the men responsible for constructing significant religious-based architecture across Europe on behalf of the Catholic Church, including many mysterious carvings and sculptures. Freemasonry was forged into being upon a foundation of esoterism, which has not only been somewhat preserved, but built upon since the early 1700s. Institutional allegory between stone-cutting and enlightenment, degrees, hierarchy, rites, Rituals, secret knowledge, and symbolism were developed and evolved within Freemasonry over time, 
leading up to the formation of the Illuminati in 1776. This took place within what is now historically known as the Age of Enlightenment, a time in which monarchies and the church began to be undermined by this new philosophical movement, which had at its core a renewed focus on enlightenment, so-called intellectualism, knowledge, reason, science, and more. The increase of secularism was a direct result. A concurrent, undeniable characteristic of this movement and broader era was an increase in esoteric thought and occultism. Some of the prominent examples of the time included Immanuel Swedenborg, a mystic Christian naturalist, an unusual combo, and Franz Anton Mesmer, a German doctor who developed the idea of a singular, ubiquitous life force that literally passed through and was fused within every living being. This belief was initially known as animal magnetism. You want me to make a joke about the Force, don't you? But after what Disney has done to Star Wars, let's just see that it's no laughing matter. The Age of Enlightenment spans from roughly the mid-17th until the mid-19th century and was extremely influential on both sides of the Atlantic. Some of the more significant esoteric elements developed at around the end of this period. Spiritualism, which initially drew on the influences of men, like the aforementioned pair, was said to have millions of active practitioners in Europe and the USA by the end of the 19th century. This period was also marked by the influence of Helena Blavatsky, a Russian spiritualist who established the esoteric religion of theosophy and founded the Theosophical Society in New York, 1875. A pillar of this creed was the ideal that all religion stems from the same source of ancient wisdom. In 1877, she published a two-volume book titled Isis Unveiled. Interesting title, right? Did you know that Isis was originally an Egyptian goddess of fertility, dating back to roughly 2500 BC? and went on to be known and even revered by some during the reign of the Roman Empire? I digress. It was on the tail end of the so-called Age of Enlightenment, 1859 to be exact, that Charles Darwin's book on the origin of species was published. His theory would gain significant traction across society well before the end of the 19th century. The advent of Darwinian theory has certainly been a boon for the New Age movement. On the one hand, they would appear to clash. Helena Blavatsky took exception with its focus on the physical and neglect of the spiritual. But on the other hand, Darwinism is the religion that can offer you a clean slate. No pesky deity to tell you how to live. In effect, a spiritual vacuum just ready to be filled by the esotericism of the New Age movement and ultimately the state. We will now rewind from the Age of Enlightenment, from the Illuminati, back to the Freemasons, onto the Stonecutters, to the Knights Templar, and so on. Not forgetting separate threads like the Rosicrucians from the turn of the 17th century, apparently an offshoot of alchemy, back through the associated mysteries of the Renaissance, and much of the Middle Ages, and even further back. The point where I choose to press the stop button, for the purposes of this podcast, is when I reach Babylon. If you want to undertake some research on the hidden forces of the broad interim epoch, then go for it. Obviously, the further back you go, the more unreliable and scant the available information. However, this does not mean that good research in this area is unattainable. 
Babylon was a city located inside of Babylonia, inside of what is now known as Iraq. Babylonia was in southern Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia can be dated back to about 3000 BC, and its religion is possibly the earliest one ever known to have kept literary records. To cut a long story short, the city-state of Babylon began to expand into an empire in roughly 1800 BC, but it would last only a couple of hundred years before it was conquered. The Babylonian Empire would briefly reform again down the track, what would be known as the Neo-Babylonian Empire. The development of the Babylonian religion preceded the Babylonian Empire and succeeded the Neo-Babylonian reincarnation. Generally esoteric in nature with its deities, demigods, spirits, you get the idea, it is said to have ultimately borrowed heavily from the Sumerians who also lived in southern Mesopotamia. I'm not going to give you the rundown on Babylonian religion here. If you're interested, try the website www.worldspirituality.com and look up an article on Babylonian and Assyrian religion. You're too lazy to look it up, aren't you? The link you need is at www.worldspirituality.org slash Babylonian hyphen Assyrian dot HTML. I shall now refer to the Bible. Do you roll your eyes when I merely mention the Bible? Is that all it takes to get you triggered? Tell you what, here's a tip. When I'm watching a space doco, which I sometimes do and generally tends to enjoy, there's a strong chance that it will refer to the Big Bang as if it's an established fact. Do you know what I then do? Ignore it. Don't even bat an eyelid. Nor does the blood pressure do so much as budge. And when this religious reference has come to pass, I continue to enjoy the rest of the doco without a second thought. Water off a duck's back. They casually evoke their religion as if it's established fact. Fine, now I'm going to do the same. Seriously, people. I've been trying fastidiously to stick to temporal sources to try and appeal to a broader audience. I will generally continue to do that, but on this occasion, and probably sometimes down the track, I shall refer to the Bible as a historical source. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Not completely unlike how the Big Bang is seen by some as the origin of the universe, the Babylon of the Bible is described as the origin of all things abstruse, capitalistic, mystical, and whatnot. I'm not sure how literal this is, as there was also Egypt with its ancient Egyptian religion that rose at a similar time to the Mesopotamian and, by extension, Babylonian religion. Indeed, both the Mesopotamian religion and Egyptian variety both polytheistic with their many deities and arcane elements, are widely regarded as the world's oldest organized religions, though Hinduism is also very old. There are also no doubt other scattered examples of opaque manifestation during the times of these religions and possibly beforehand. Stonehenge, for example, was probably erected between 3000 and 2000 BC, but Babylon, the name, is how the Bible refers to the source of the whole package, the entire thing in a comprehensive, open-ended kind of way. In fact, it does so in a very forceful, strong manner. I wish to read you the Bible verse Isaiah 47, 12-13, possibly written during the time between the Babylonian and Neo-Babylonian Empire. Stand now with your enchantments and the multitude of your sorceries in which you have labored from your youth. Perhaps you will be able to profit 
perhaps you will prevail. You are wearied in the multitude of your counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, and the monthly prognosticators stand up and save you from what shall come upon you. This verse is seen to be an angry challenge from the author to the so-called magicians of Babylon to try and save their city from attack. This would be appearing to refer to the city and surrounding domain. But remember, the name Babylon has historically had a double meaning, or even triple. The lines between these meanings can blur. It is not only the literal city and or its domain, or merely a reference to their religion. It can also be read as a general term for mankind's attempts to sideline the idea of God, disprove his existence, and to elevate human knowledge and endeavor to the level of God. You could also look at the Tower of Babel for context. Again, don't let yourself be triggered. Just think of me watching a space docker. People, I'm about done with this topic. Is Babylon, whatever this may be, the basis of the New Age movement? I believe so. But I confess that this is partially because of my bias, my belief in the Bible, as a source of pure truth. You might respectfully disagree or even disrespectfully agree. I could attempt to research this from further non-biblical sources, but I'm sick of this episode already. Why don't you research it for yourself? You might come across something that brings you to disagree with something I said, perhaps even fundamentally. That's okay, isn't it? I never claimed that I know everything or even come close. On the contrary, I have little regard for anyone who would have such a high opinion of oneself. At the risk of further alienating any of you non-pious listeners out there, I would like to refer to Revelation 17 in the Bible, which speaks of the main religion of the final days as Mystery Babylon. No, I don't claim to have any knowledge of when the last days will be. I haven't built my bunker yet. I'd best get out there into the woods and start looking for a site sometime soon, not to mention purchasing and stockpiling a nice stash of practical, if unappealing, non-perishables. I really ought to cease these unnecessary digressions. People, now to tie this little sucker up and get it off to bed. I believe that there is evidence everywhere that the real powers that be in this world are deeply influenced by the dark arts by the occult, esoteric knowledge, the spirit world, and so on. In fact, I don't believe it, I know it. Just hear me out. You don't need to believe in God or the supernatural in general to accept this. You can be a smart agnostic or naturalist and still see that this is the case. Hear me out. I once read a comment from someone. They wrote that it's impossible that so-called global elites could believe in this kind of stuff because it's not real. Think about the stupidity of this statement for a moment. Something can't be believed in because it's not real? Do you see how stupid this idea is? Think of all the religions out there and all of their faithful practitioners. Not all of these religions could be right, could they? Wouldn't it be fair to conclude that not all religions are based on reality and that therefore people do believe in certain things even though those things are ultimately not based on literal reality? I'm just stating the obvious, am I not? My point is that the New Age movement is not new at all. Modern society is returning fully to its ancient pagan traditions. From Babylon, or the general time thereof, all through to the modern age, what the Bible refers to as Mystery Babylon, and again, you don't need to believe in gods to at least see the point I'm making, has endured in various 
powerful forms and geysers and is booming. Last point. I honestly don't think that the so-called Mystery Babylon religion is one of total open conquests. You could be Buddhist, Christian, Hindu, Jew, Muslim, naturalist, or whatever, while also being open to the so-called world of esotericism or the occult. Some would argue that some, if not all, of these religions are products of Mystery Babylon anyway. As for me, you know where I stand. Each to their own, but that whole scene is definitely not for me. The New World Order is both political and spiritual. If the spiritual aspect is really not so new after all, the same could be asked of the so-called New World Order. Is it really new? Rhetorical question. Boys and girls, that was your history lesson for today. Remember, question everything, do your own research, keep a healthy, open mind, and above all, never forget, you've been given an intellect, so use it. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.